turning in your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18, and let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we ask You to teach us from Your Word today. These are perilous times, and we need the guidance that we can only get from Your precious Word. We pray that You would speak to the hearts of each one here today, those who know You as their Savior and those who are lost, particularly. The hour is late. The day of grace is almost over. And we pray that You would just work in their hearts today to cause them to see their need, to flee to the cross of Calvary before it's too late. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we are continuing to think about two Christians in the days of Lot. And again this morning we want to think about Abraham and his communion with the Lord. There are two aspects of it, um, of his communion with the Lord. In verses 9 through 15, we saw how Abraham enjoyed communion with the Lord regarding the desire of his heart to have a son. And then last Sunday night, in verses 16 through 22, We saw the Lord communing with Abraham regarding the coming judgment of Sodom. And we particularly noticed Genesis chapter 18 and verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? We mentioned in that message Amos chapter 3 and verse 7. Surely the Lord God will do nothing but He revealeth His secret unto His servants, the prophets. Psalms 25 and verse 14 says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. The thing that the Lord was going to do was destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And He's not going to hide that judgment from Abraham. And that's a very critical point For you and I. Because we are living in Sodom at this hour. And we've talked in great detail over the course, I guess, of the last couple of months about the evidence that is all around us to prove the absolute accuracy of the truth of the Lord's words in Luke chapter 17 where he said, Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. God is going to judge Sodom. He's going to judge this world. And He will do nothing, but He revealeth His secret unto His servants, the prophets. If you're saved this morning, you're a prophet. You are not a foreteller of the future, but rather you are a forth teller of the truth of the Word of God. 
And God has placed in the hands of His prophets in this hour. He has placed in the hands of His people His secret. This is His secret. The Word of God. The question is, are we studying it? Are we looking into it personally and individually? Are we gathering collectively at every opportunity to hear the Word of God preached? The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him and He will show them His covenant. Do we fear the Lord enough to study, to show ourselves approved unto God? A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? Do we fear the Lord enough to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching? What day? The day of the coming of the Lord. The day of the judgment of Sodom. God says today, as He said here in verse 17, shall I hide from my people that thing which I do? And the answer is no. He's not hiding from His people the thing which He's going to do. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. The problem is we don't fear the Lord. We don't fear Him enough to study His Word. We don't fear Him enough to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together regularly and faithfully. And as a result, many, many Christians don't know His secret. We don't understand the times. And we end up living just exactly like Lot. And what the Spirit of God is telling us is how believers are going to be living in the last days. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. He did not say, likewise also as it was in the days of Abraham. He could have if Abraham's life would characterize the believers of the last days. He could have if the lives of believers in this hour would be characterized by obedience and separation from Sodom. He could have if the lives of believers in this hour would be characterized by the tent and the altar attitude of heart. If our lives were being lived without the camp, without the gate of Sodom. Believers, as we were talking about Wednesday night, were allowing the Lord to to deliver them from this present evil world. But Abraham is not who pictures believers in this hour. Lot is who pictures believers this morning. And so we don't fear the Lord and we don't know His secret. We're not like the children of Issachar who were men who had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The majority of believers... In this hour, have no understanding of the times. And so they do not know what America ought to do any more than Lot knew what Sodom ought to do. The only way to understand the times, the only way to know what we ought to do as individuals, the only way to know what we ought to do as a body of believers, 
The only way to know what we ought to do as a nation is from the Word of God. Amen. Now notice verse 20. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? There's no mention in the eternal record of the Word of God that Abraham ever went to Sodom. No mention that he ever walked the streets of that city. No mention that he ever saw the wickedness that was there firsthand, and yet he knew it was a wicked place. He knew it was a wicked place that were that was full of wicked people. That's what he said in verse 23. Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? How do you know about Sodom? Where did Abraham get his view? He got it from the Word of God. God told Abraham about Sodom. God told Abraham that the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great. There was a cry coming out of that place. And it wasn't a cry for help. It was a cry of defiance. It was a cry of rebellion and sin against God and His Word. Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous. Notice the words, their sin is very grievous. That word grievous, if you look it up in the Hebrew dictionary of the Strong's Concordance, it means to be heavy. It means to be insensible. It means to be dull. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah had reached a point where they were insensible to sin. They had reached a point where they were no longer capable of feeling even the slightest pang of conscience because their conscience had been seared with a hot iron. It had been seared with a hot iron because they burned in their lust one toward another. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, men with men working that which is unseemly. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. 
You recognize those words from Romans chapter 1. But I believe that they are a description. That they are a commentary on Genesis 18 verses 20 and 21. And the point that is so important for us to see is that Abraham got his view of Sodom from the Word of God. He got his world view, if you will, from the Word of God. Where are we getting ours? The way to know the secret of the Lord concerning the Sodom of this world is not to be mixed up with it, but rather to be separated from it. The more closely that we walk with the Lord, the more obedient we are to His Word, the more of His secrets He'll reveal to us, the more of His mind that we'll know, and the more of the times in which we live, we'll understand them. That's how we can help people, folks. To let them know that these things are not uh, just out of the blue. They're predicted right here. Absolutely accurately in the Word of God. There's nothing wrong with reading the newspaper and following the news. Christians need to be well informed. But we don't need to study the newspaper or listen to talk radio or follow the news in whatever media it might be to understand the times and know what's going to happen here in the world. This book reveals all that we need to know. And it's through the lens of the Word of God that we're to look at the world. It's through the, the, the lens of the Word of God that we're to listen to the news. That's how we can interpret it. That's how it will cause our minds and hearts to look up because our redemption draws nigh. It's here in the pages of God's Word that we learn about the character of the world and the course of the world and the destiny of the world. John tells us about the character of the world. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, he says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. The character of the world can be summed up in two words, lust and pride. Paul tells us about the course of this world. He says in 2 Timothy 3.1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He tells us in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 4, They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. This world is on a downward course. And Peter tells us the destiny of this world. But the day of the Lord, he said in 2 Peter 3.10, will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And so from the Word of God, we learn that the character of this world is lust and pride. The course of this world is downward away from God. And the destiny of this world is judgment. That's why we need to be people of the book. Because that's not the report that we'll get from the newspapers and the news outlets and the people of this world. You know, if Abraham had visited Sodom, 
And he had talked to some of the leading citizens. And if he had uh, asked them about how things were in Sodom and how they expected them to, to be in the future, what do you think they would have told him? Well, I believe they would have said, Well, Abraham, look around. Look around. What do you see? You see prosperity. You see people eating and drinking and buying and selling. We have a thriving economy here. People are uh, they're in the marketplace. They're doing business there. Life is going on in a normal way here. And we have a future, Abraham. People are planting. You know, planning is an activity that takes place in the present, but it looks forward to the future. Because it's in the future that that the fruit from the planning is going to come to fruition and be harvested. One of the great indicators that a country is looking forward to the future is its agriculture. Think about the number of years uh, between the planting of fruit trees and the harvesting of the first piece of fruit. It doesn't happen overnight. It can take three or four or five years. It can take 30 or 40 years before a tree is ready to be harvested so that it can supply all of the wood products that come from trees. Planting or agriculture is all about the future. And that future may be six months or six years or 20 or 30 years or even longer. That's what they would have pointed out to Abraham. We're planting. But Abraham, not only are people planting, not only is our agriculture an indication of our future, but so is our building. Look around. People are they're building houses. They're, they're building buildings. They're remodeling and restoring and repairing. We're all about the future here in Sodom. And if Abraham had mentioned the coming judgment, they would have laughed. They would have laughed. Judgment? Man, look around here. We are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. That's the news and the forecast that Abraham would have gotten in Sodom. His eyes would have been blinded by the planning and the building and the prosperity. Folks, Sodom is not the place to learn about the character and the course and the destiny of Sodom. The only place to learn about Sodom, the only place to learn about those things is the same place where Abraham learned them. Notice the last words of verse 22. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And there in the presence of the Lord, and there only, could Abraham understand all he needed to know about Sodom. Folks, things haven't changed in the last 4,000 years. If we know the Lord today, the only way that we can understand about the character and the course and the destiny of this world is by standing before the Lord privately as we study this book to show ourselves approved unto God and publicly 
as we gather in a meeting like this to hear the Word of God preached. Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And it's there that we see Abraham enjoying a final privilege. And that is interceding for others before the Lord. Look at verse 23. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? We notice the opening words of verse 23. And Abraham drew near. Now remember who he's standing before. Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near. You know, I'm glad that the Lord is not a respecter of persons. Because it can be true of you, it can be true of me. That we can stand before the Lord and we could put our name there. We can draw near to the Lord. Those words there, and Abraham drew near, I think maybe more than any other, tell us about Abraham's spiritual condition. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22, we read these words, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There are two requirements for drawing near to the Lord. The first one is having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. In other words, we have to be saved. We have to be saved. God resisteth the proud. He giveth grace to the humble. In the Old Testament books of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, we read about the sacrifices for sin. We read about the sprinkling of the blood of bulls and goats. But the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. It could cover sin. Sprinkling the the blood of bulls and goats could do nothing for an evil conscience. But those things pictured the one sacrifice that could. Those sacrifices of bulls and goats pictured the one sacrifice for sins forever. The sacrifice of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary. And by faith, by faith, applying the blood of Calvary's Lamb is the way that we have our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. So in order to draw near, we have to be saved. And after we're saved, we have to be clean. After we're saved, we still have this old nature. We do battle with it every moment of every day. We still sin. And we need to be cleansed. We need to confess our sins for He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the last part of Hebrews 10.22 is all about. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is the pure water right here. The Lord Jesus said in John 15 and verse 3, Now ye are clean. He said this to His people. He said this to His disciples. 
Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, the Lord says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And then verse 26 says, That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. It's the washing of water by the word that washes us and cleanses us. And so what we have here is Abraham drawing near. It says so much about his spiritual condition. When we are saved and clean, when sin in our life is confessed and forsaken, then we can draw near to the Lord. Then we can intercede before the Lord for others. And that's what we see Abraham doing in the remainder of this chapter. He's interceding for those who are are caught up in Sodom's sin and rebellion. And and those who were literally on the verge of being caught up in Sodom's judgment. Look at verse 24 here. Abraham says, Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? You know what happened here. Abraham asked the Lord if he'll spare the the city if there are 50 righteous there. And the Lord says he'll spare it. He finds 50 righteous there and Abraham goes on. He asks the Lord if he finds 45 and 40 and 30 and 20 righteous there. If he'll spare the city. And in each case the Lord says, I'll spare the city if I find that number there. And finally in verse 32, Abraham says, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure, ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. Now Abraham never mentions Lot by name. If you have a Defender Study Bible, Dr. Henry Morris suggests that Lot and his family are the ten that Abraham has in mind in verse 32. Lot and his wife, two unmarried sons, two unmarried daughters, two married daughters and their husbands. That's ten. And that's why Lot and his family aren't mentioned, at least by name. And that may very well be. But there's a word in verse 24 as Abraham began his intercession that I'd never really noticed before. It's the word city. The word city. Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? Verse 26. And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then verse 28, Peradventure there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And what struck me is that Abraham is not just interceding for Lot. 
He's interceding for the people in the city of Sodom. And there's a basis for his intercession. And I believe the basis of his intercession is that he knows that the people of Sodom have heard the message of the gospel. These are the same people that 20 years earlier, God had said the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And yet they are the same people that five years later, 15 years before the judgment came, they're the same people that had seen the mighty power of God demonstrated on their behalf. When God used Abraham and his 318 men to deliver, deliver those people from bondage. The bondage of these four kings. 318 men, an army of 318, defeats the armies of four kings. That's a miracle of God. These people saw it. The people of Sodom 15 years earlier had seen Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, Melchizedek, the king of peace. Melchizedek, I believe, an Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he stood his appearance there. Turn back to to Genesis chapter 14, if you will. It's better for, for us to read it than for me to talk about it. Look at Genesis chapter 14. The appearance of Melchizedek here stands in stark contrast to the king of Sodom. Look at Genesis 14 and verse 17. There's two people that come. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him, went out to meet Abraham after his return from the slaughter of Kedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheba, which is the Kingsdale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, Paul tells us over in the book of Hebrews, that means king of peace. He also refers to him as king of righteousness. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. So here's Melchizedek. The Lord Jesus Christ, I believe. But you have the king of Sodom. He he comes to meet Abraham. You have Melchizedek. He comes to meet Abraham. But I don't believe he just met them. Folks, the Lord is not a respecter of persons. Here's, Here's all the people that are standing around. They haven't gone back to Sodom yet. And so here's this choice. And and here is Melchizedek who by his presence, I believe, was saying to these people, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That I have set before you life, Melchizedek. Melchizedek who brought forth bread and wine. And what are bread and wine? They're the emblems of the cross. They're the emblems that will be partaking of Wednesday night in the Lord's Supper where we remember remember the Lord's death. 
They're the emblems of the gospel, the bread, the emblem of the body of the Lord Jesus that would be broken, and the wine, the emblem of His blood that He would shed for these people on the cross of Calvary. I've set before you life, Melchizedek, and death, the king of Sodom. I've set before you blessing, Melchizedek, and cursing, the king of Sodom. And the message here is, therefore choose life. Choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. What did the people of Sodom do? They chose the king of Sodom. They chose to go back. They rejected life. But the Lord is not through dealing with them. This is what I think is so important to see. Go back to Genesis chapter 18. The Lord's not through dealing with these people. Here's the Lord 15 years later. In His mercy, notice what He says in verse 21. I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. I want you to think about something. The Lord knew the cry of the city. He knew how very grievous their sin was. He knew that they had done according to the cry of it. And yet, what does the Lord say? I will go down now. That word down brings to mind Philippians chapter 2 where we read how the Lord Jesus Christ came down. He made Himself of no reputation. He took upon Himself the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. He humbled Himself. And He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's five things. Five in the Bible is the number of grace. That is the fivefold coming down of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will go down now. This is the basis of Abraham's intercession for the people of the city of Sodom. And there on this final night, there on this final night are the two angels, the two messengers that God sends And He does that because He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What did the people of Sodom do? They rejected the message. Would the Lord have spared Sodom if there were only one righteous person there in the city? One person who had trusted Him as their Savior? There's no question about it. He would have. And the proof of that is that He has spared this world for almost 6,000 years and He has given untold billions of people space to repent because of one righteous. And that one is the Lord Jesus Christ. We see Him there in verse 21. I will go down. I will go down. I believe you can write love and mercy and grace over those words. 
We see him in verse 25 in Abraham's question. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Over and above Abraham, it's the Spirit of God who's asking that question. It's a rhetorical question. A rhetorical question is a... um, It's a statement that's put in the form of a question and it needs no answer because the statement is the answer. The message of Abraham's question is that the judge of all the earth will do right. And his word tells us how right he did when it comes to sparing. Because that's what Abraham's intercession is all about. It's about sparing. And that's that's the question that Abraham asked the Lord. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Will you not spare? The judge of all the earth has done right. The judge of all the earth spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. The judge of all the earth made intercession for the transgressors. The judge of all the earth declared the sentence in the courtroom of heaven. And the sentence is death. The wages of sin is death. And then the judge of all the earth took off his judicial robes and exchanged them for the swaddling clothes of the manger and the linen grave clothes of the tomb. Because it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. He made his soul an offering for sin. The Lord Jesus went to the cross and he shed his precious blood so that you and I could draw near, so that we could be washed in his blood, so that we could be saved. Have you drawn near? That's the question. He's come down. He's paid the price of our sins. But have you drawn near? Have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? You can. Right where you are, you can humble your heart and you can turn to Him in repentance and faith. And you can by faith apply the blood of the Lamb of God to your heart. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died. And that He died for me. And God says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. If we're saved today, are we clean? We're clean through the Word. We're clean in the sense that we've been saved. We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. But how about the sin in our life? We're clean through the Word. We're cleansed and washed. The washing of water by the Word. Are we clean? Are we obedient? Are we allowing the Lord Jesus who died for us to deliver us from this present evil world as Abraham did? That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank You for Your blessed Word. We thank You that this is the lens through which we're to look at this world.
This is where we're to get our worldview. This is how we're to understand the days and the times in which we live that we might point others to the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's anyone here today who's never trusted you as their Savior, we pray that we're right where Sodom is, right where Sodom was here. We're on the very verge of the judgment of God. We pray that you would help them to see the peril in which they're living. That they're one step between them and death, one step between them and going out into eternity lost. And we pray that right now they would turn to you and trust you as their Savior. You set before them life. And we pray that they would choose life today, that their soul may live. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.